welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. My name is Dan. I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic from San Diego. Yeah. Hi, all. Um, my sobriety date, I haven't had to act out with myself since July 8th of 1988. Um, I was in a relationship for about 14 months, and I've been sober since Thanksgiving of 94. So... Um, for which I'm never sufficiently grateful, as some people have said. Uh, sponsorship. I was thinking when Garris was talking about the, somebody else taking his fourth step, I don't mind you taking my fourth step, because the, what I've learned in the program is you can't do anything with it. So, um, except then take your own, maybe. So, part of this has been part of the gift in the process for me is, is learning what's worked for me. Um, when I walked into these rooms, I could hardly talk to people. So, uh, sponsorship wasn't even a question, because uh, my greatest character defect has been fear. Um, but uh, as I was sort of praying and putting down some notes for this, one of the things I recognized is, um, why do I want a sponsor? You know, what's a sponsorship for? Um, what, what I've learned sponsorship for is it's, it's freedom from the isolation and fear. And I'm sure some of you don't have that, but uh, there are a few of us I know in this room that do. Um, the other thing is it's learn how to relate to people of the same sex or the opposite sex in a healthy way. And I never knew how to do that. You know, I didn't, those weren't some of the tools that I was taught as a kid growing up. I don't know why, but somehow those slipped by. Maybe because I was acting out, I don't know. Um, but what it's taught me is communication skills. I've learned how to talk, which was, uh, that was great for the prayer and meditation. I've learned how to talk to other people, but what I've learned even more in this program is how to listen. Uh, when I, when I started with all this stuff, um, you would start to say something, and I would click on to something you said, and I would have an answer for you, but I never heard a word you said after that because I was hanging on to what I wanted to say back to you, which, of course, I forgot in the interim and never got anything going, so I missed both sides of it. And, you know, uh, what I've learned in this program today is I can learn to listen to what the other person is saying, and I don't give answers back, but what I've learned, uh, one of the things in the Book of Wisdom, it says, instead of, instead of giving answers, ask more questions. So I sponsor people by asking them what's going on. Or if they say something, well, this is what's going on for me, I say, well, what are you going to do about that? Or what's the next step for you? You know, 90% of the time the answer is inside of ourselves, but we want somebody else to tell us what to do so we can say, no, I don't want to do it. <laughs> right? Okay. Um, um you know, then another reason that I want this is because I, I need an awareness of what my character defects are so I can have freedom from them. I'm not isolated anymore. Thank God for this program. And I certainly was when I walked in here. I couldn't even, you know, I couldn't look people in the eye. I couldn't talk to them. Um, the other thing I want sponsorship for is I, I want to know what my values are, who I am as a person. And I, I can, you know, I don't need to go in the litany of what people told me I was before I got in here. But it wasn't very good, and it was very long. Okay? And if you asked me who I was, my list of who I wasn't was very long, and who I was that was good was was a, uh, horrendously short. 
I mean, I didn't have any character assets, but I sure had an awful lot of character defects. I mean, the list would go on and on and on. And I finally got a couple years in the program where I could balance out the list. Now I don't remember what most of the defects are. You know, um, Every once in a while, somebody reminds me of one of them. But, you know, I don't have that list that used to hang on my back. You know, the, the sandwich board, you could read it on front and back that said who, who other people thought I was. And what a gift that is. Um, what are the inhibitors? What stops us from getting a sponsor? Uh, anybody here have fear? No, okay. I'll skip that. Um, and especially in step four. Okay, step four is um, it, it's not an immoral inventory of what we've done that's wrong. It's a more it's what it's called as a fact finding and fact facing step. I'm supposed to look at these things and not beat myself up because I've done them. And and the greatest thing that I can share with somebody else in the program is is what the Joe and Charlie tapes talked about is um, there's somebody else who's in charge of the store. You know we do these steps in order, and um, they're not 12 grades and then we graduate. There are 12 steps and we get to repeat them along the journey. So if I do them in order the way they were written, there's a reason for that. So if I've turned my will and my life over to the care of God in step three, what I'm doing in step four is I'm taking an inventory of the stock on hand that, that's in this body, but it no longer belongs to me. There's a new owner of the store because I've already turned it over. And it, it probably was about three or four years ago when somebody shared that with me and the light went on. You know, we fought fear and, and struggled with this stuff for years and years and years. And the reality is it's not my business. I'm just taking an inventory of what's going on inside. Then I turn that over to my sponsor, who's temporary acting as God in, in his place, okay? because I've given him permission to. And when I had somebody do their fifth step with me about a week and a half ago, and we did step five, and he was getting ready to go, and I said, now we're going to do six and seven. And, you know, I don't know about you, but we're so afraid of doing four that when we get into five, it takes us two or three or four years to, to do that. We're going to put off six, seven, eight, nine, and, and the rest of them. And I just say, look, you know, are, are you are you powerless over these character defects? Do you want God to remove them? Will you ask Him to do that? And it took Him about two minutes. Okay, you know, we don't have to hang on to this stuff as long as most of us have. And the reason that we do is we're afraid. You know, what happens if God takes all this stuff away from me? Um, what am I going to be left with? There's going to be this big empty hole inside. And what I've learned is um, when I do the third step prayer, I don't say that God um, removes the character defects. What I've learned and what works for me is God transforms. He takes what I consider to be the negative and turns around and plugs it back in and said, this is the thing that you were messing up with and it didn't work for you. Now let me turn it around and I'll give it back to you and you can use it the way it's supposed to be used. What a novel concept. Okay, And that's what I learned from other people. Okay, um, We're role models growing up. That's another inhibitor. Okay, How do I talk to you? Well, I don't know because nobody ever talked to me as a kid growing up. Nobody ever taught me what I was supposed to know. And the next part of that is an inhibitor is resentment. I was mad at the people who didn't teach me what I was supposed to know. Okay. Well, when we do our four-step inventory, funny thing, resentment is the number one issue. Okay. When I work through the resentments, then I start recognizing it's not the problem of the other people and what they did to me. It was my attitude about what they had done. And so when I started doing that and sharing that with my sponsor and with other people that I sponsor, all of a sudden, the, the, it was pretty easy to see it, what, it had nothing to do with them. It had a lot to do with what was going on inside of me. And I had to be willing to let go of that. Okay. Um, the second inventory, of course, is fears. And the reason that I don't want to do it is I'm afraid there's going to be nothing left when I, you know, I get out to the bottom of all this pile. And the, and the realization was there was a lot there, except it was just damaged goods. 
And I had to turn that back over to God and say, you know, you're going to have to do something with it. Okay? The third one, as all of us know, is our sexual inventory. What a surprise. Okay? And the fourth one is harms to others. All that's in the fourth step. You know? And we try and complicate it. We try and make it difficult. And we succeed. Okay. All right. Um, readings. What do we do for reading? Okay. Um, Sexaholics Anonymous, page 72 to 75. Um, a couple of people have shared it. We need to ask for help. Well, if you're afraid, how can you go and ask for help? You know, um, why, do you, why would you want to walk up and say, yeah, I need some help with this. Okay. And I know none of you have a deal that you're struggling with pride. You know, um, but, but, but it certainly was an issue for me. And I can tell you that I was afraid, but I couldn't tell you that I was too proud to ask for help. Isn't that interesting? Okay. Not too much difference in those two, but it's just the approach and the attitude. Um, there's a really interesting statement on page 74. It says, we cannot carry the sexaholic. The only thing that we can carry is the message. Okay? I'm not responsible for my sponsee's sobriety. Okay? I cannot make anybody sober. I can't make anybody in this room sober. Okay? I wish I could. I cannot change other people, places, things, and situations. Thank God for the AA big book. Okay? Page on acceptance, 449. Okay? I can't change you. And the reality is, as I've gone through the serenity prayers, I can't change me either. And I have to go back to step one and turn myself over to someone else. Okay? My relationship with God today is based on the fact that I have a relationship with you, because I believe God works through you. Instead of being defensive and fearful, I can let you in because you're not trying to attack me. You're God's instrument for my growth. How's that for a switch? Okay. You can't hurt me today. You can point out a character defect, but instead of my reacting to your doing that, and putting up, you know, you know, trying to defend myself and put up my Colgate Invisible Shield, which some of you are old enough to remember, okay? <laughs> Nothing could penetrate, you know? There's this big glass wall, and I, thank you very much, but, you know, I, I didn't hear a word you said. But today I can hear what you say, and I can take it back to my sponsor, I can take it back to God and say, ouch, this hurt, you know, they just stepped on my corn, and I don't know what to do with this. Show me what my reaction is and what my part is so I can deal with it. And what I've learned in this program is I have to talk it out with other people. Well, I avoided that like the plague. No wonder we were isolated and couldn't grow out of the disease. You know, we just, we're stuck. Okay. Um, what do I, um, another reading, uh, another part of the, uh, page 74, it says the goal for sponsee sponsorship. It says independence. And I don't like that word because that's where I was when I came in here. I was isolated and alone. The, the word that works for me is interdependence. I'm not leaning on you. I'm not relying on you and crawling all over saying, you have to give me the answers. But I have enabled the other person who's my sponsee to stand on their own two feet, but still require a relationship with me to have a relationship with God and everybody else around them. Interdependent. Not self-sufficient, not dependent, but interdependent. And that, that works really, that keeps it in my mind. Okay? Um, the other thing is, if none of you have ever seen it, AA, thank God for AA, questions and answers on sponsorship. Little pamphlet. Probably cost a buck and a quarter. And most of us have probably never seen it. You know, this is about my third copy. This one's coffee stained. But, you know, it's a reminder of how do I get into a relationship with somebody else and what do I do to help them? And these are great answers. I don't tell people what to do today. I, I, I tried, but, you know, nobody would listen. I don't understand why, but nobody would listen. Okay. 
Um, how I sponsor today. If somebody asks me to sponsor them, I tell them no the first time. I want to know if somebody's really wanting, wanting to work the program. And it's very easy to, you know, I have, um, I have about five or six people that I sponsor and about two dozen that have asked me to be a sponsor and I said yes and never call. And the realization is what I've learned is I have a problem with interaction with other men. That's why I'm in this program. Um, the thing that I've learned in this program and what I do when I have somebody that comes up and says, would you sponsor me? I, I, I say no, but call me. And if they start calling, I know they're interested. And one of the first things I do with people is I start talking about their father issues. Okay? Any of you have father issues? Okay? Um, you're asking me to sponsor you, and I'm, I'm gonna say yes, and I'm gonna make suggestions to you. Well, if you haven't worked out your relationship with your earthly dad, what you're gonna do is you're gonna go back into this resentment, and you're gonna start looking at me like I'm telling you what to do. And what I've learned in this program is, if I tell that to somebody in the first place, and they recognize that there's gonna be a, um, correlation between the two, and that we have to work through all of that at the same time, what happens is they start looking at this saying, you know, I've got this issue, and then we start talking about it. Okay? My sponsoring people is not saying, work the steps, do this, straighten out your life, you know, do it right. It's saying, what's going on inside, and, and what's the pain and the struggle and the anger? Where's it coming from, and what do we want to do with it? Okay? You can hang on to it if you want. Okay? And, and we did. That's what, that's what kept us here in the first place. Um, I, I don't tell people what to do, but I listen and I ask questions. Okay, so if you if you come up and you tell me tell me you're having a problem about the furniture, I my my question would be, what what's going on that you're trying to hold control of? Okay, not not why do you want furniture, but what's going on underneath that you're afraid to let go of? And and I've learned over a period of time just just to focus in on uh, it. It's got nothing to do with the person that's right in front of you that you're reacting to. But uh, I don't know about you. I, I feel like I've, I've got this baggage of stuff that I brought with me, and I and I and it's and the pack is full, and I have to dig stuff out of the pack and deal with that. So I stop reacting to the people that are in front of me. Okay. So you're not my problem. The problem is stuff that I've carried with me, and I need to learn how to deal with it. That's how it works with sponsorship. Um, the the thing, the other thing that I do, that and and this is probably the most important. I don't sponsor people to get them sober. I sponsor people so I'll stay sober. Um, it's still difficult. I've been in this program for almost nine years. It is still very difficult for me to get on the phone and call other people. But I've turned my phone over to the care of God as I understand Him. So when the phone rings, God's in charge of the people calling on the phone. And it doesn't matter if you call me at 2 a.m. in the morning or if you call me at 6 o'clock at night. Okay? God's in charge of that. And you know what I found is... If I'm walking through something and I'm struggling with it and I don't know how to deal with it and get it, get it out, normally the person that's on the phone was saying, I'm having a problem and I'm struggling with this. And you know what? 90% of the time it's the same thing I'm dealing with. Because this is a spiritual program. Okay? And I don't have to control any of these things. You know, I don't want to anymore. That's a real gift. Okay? I don't have to control any of it. Um, the last thing I want to share, and, and this is to me, why is sponsorship important? Why do we need this? I mean, if you know that you've got a problem with your father, why would you want to work through this? But 
how does it affect the fellowship as a whole? Okay. If if you hear people that are coming into your meetings and all they're doing is dumping in the meeting, what it tells me is they probably don't have a sponsor and they're not working the program outside of the meeting. And instead of bringing their experience, strength, and hope of what happened, what it's like, and what's going on now, in other words, how they walk through the program, all they're doing is bringing the problem in and dumping that at the meeting. You know, there's no crosstalk in meetings, you know, for a very good reason. Because then we'd all get psychological and start telling each other how we, how we need to work the program. But if I do it one-on-one with a, with a person outside of the meeting, I, a couple of people I sponsor, one in particular, we meet together for lunch on, on a weekly basis. Uh, this past week, I started sharing with him some stuff I was struggling with and he started to laugh. Because it was the same thing he was walking through. Okay. And we walked through it and we came up with a solution. I made some decisions to do some stuff that's been bothering me for years, going back decades. I actually committed to making some decisions to take to do the action. That's that's the key word this month. I made some decisions to take action. You know what? Since Wednesday, since we met for lunch, I've already done three out of the four things that I said I was going to do. Okay? Instead of talking about I need to keep doing this, you know. I I want to do this and guy, I hope I can do this one of these days. You know, it's like working the steps. We need to make that decision to share it with another people to get it out in the open and then go on from there. Okay? Um, there was a set of tapes back there and I, I had written this down anyway before I came in but, but it's just a reminder to me. The word sponsor. If, if you take it, it says sober person offering newcomers suggestions on recovery. That's what a sponsor is. And I picked up another one, thank God for the good part of the internet. Um, a special person offering necessary service obtaining recovery. Okay? You know what I've learned in this program? I, you know, with all my years in this program, I cannot do it by myself. I cannot. You know? If, if I'm not sponsoring somebody, I'm not talking to other people on the phone, I'm going to die. And I'm not willing to go back out there. So the, the whole process of the me, it's not being the perfect sponsor. You know, by the way, there is no perfect sponsor in case some of you are looking for him. Okay? But what I've learned in the program is this is a program of progress, not perfection. We're on the journey on a road of recovery. We can't do it by ourselves. We've tried to do it by ourselves and it didn't work. So when we, when we have the awareness of what it is that's the struggle for us, then we can go and talk to somebody else and say, I don't even want a sponsor. I'm afraid to get a sponsor. This isn't working for me. What do I do? And there's there's another question. So thanks for letting me share. I want to thank everybody for um, sharing on the panel. Hey. Um, um, welcome to this meeting of um, Sexaholics Anonymous. I'm Bob and I'm a recovering sexaholic. Let's start off with a um, a reading. Um, it's from page um, 332 out of, um, as Bill sees it, um, I am responsible. When anyone anywhere reaches out for help, I want the essay always to be there. And for that, I am responsible. Um, the panel um, this afternoon is on uh, relapse prevention. And um, starting us off will be Steve. Uh, Thanks, Steve. Um, let's see, our next speaker will be um, Dan. My name is Dan. I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. Hi, Dan. Hi. Still from San Diego. Um, I'm a couple hours more sober than I was before. 
Um, my sobriety date, um, with no acting out with myself is, uh, July 8th of 88, and for relationships is, um, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Day of, uh, 94. About then. Okay. Um, which, which, uh, puts me in a good position to, uh, to share with you about relapse. Um, and I saw it coming and I, and I sort of walked through the door anyway. Um, I wanted to share with you because somebody had, had, was talking about, um, the, uh, the 12 steps of insanity. Um, I was, I pulled out something that I wrote about a year ago and I realized that tomorrow is its anniversary. So I thought I'd like to share it with you. Um, I call this pre-recovery promises. You've read the recovery promises from the AA big book on pages 83 and 84. Well, this is where I came from before I walked through the door. Um, it started out as humor in a meeting, and uh, unfortunately, it soon became too real. And I wrote this for an OA meeting, so when I get to the place that says up or down the scale, you know why. Um, if we are lackadaisical about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we even get started. We are going to know new anger and a new sense of despair. We will not recognize the future nor wish to open the door on it. We will comprehend the word hopeless. We will know how, we will know, I lost it. We will know discouragement. No matter how far up or down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experiences will be an obstacle to others. That feeling of usefulness and self-worth will disappear. We will lose interest in selfless things and gain interest in ourselves. Self-denial will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook full of despair will remain the same. We will be unable to handle situations which we used to think we were in control of. We suddenly realize that we are doing for ourselves the things God would not do for us. (laughs) Are these actuarial promises? We think so. Unfortunately, they are being fulfilled among us, often slowly, often quickly. They will always happen to us if we allow them. Okay? It started off as humor, but it's not quite as funny, is it, today? Okay? And, you know, and I think about recovery. Um, I got into a relationship, I was in the relationship for about 14 months, um, and I gave up almost six years of sobriety in order to do that. Um, what I'm sharing with you has worked, worked for me. Okay? The program still works for me. But the thing that we were talking about earlier is, I kept coming back to meetings no matter what. And to me, what recovery is the most important thing. Um, what Steve said about, about lust, you know, lust is what brings us in here, but lust is not our primary problem. Our primary problem is we don't have a relationship with God and we don't know how to deal with other people. You know, um, the first step doesn't say that we were powerless over lust and, and our, and our lust was unmanageable. It says our life was unmanageable. And when that concept sort of struck me, I recognized, you know, a lot more things that I needed to learn about than lust. Okay. And I needed how to recover from a lot of things. Um, one of the things for me is, is, is what recovery has done. Uh, and going through all this stuff. It's not license to do what I want, but it's freedom to do what I ought. Okay. Not license to do what I want, but freedom to do what I want, what I ought. And it's like, I turn my will and my life over to the care of God, and instead of me trying to control what the outcome is and how I need to do something, I surrender it to God. And if I walk through a door and there's shards of glass in there and I cut myself, instead of saying, you're stupid, you shouldn't have done that, that's not where you belong, you know, and beat myself up, which is what other people taught me how to do to myself, um, 
I let go of that and I go back to God. And what I've learned in this program is page 449 of the big book. You know, we're talking about mantras. That's mine. Acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. Okay? Acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. I'm powerless over, over all the other things that go on. I can't control them. I can't make them happen. I can't generate something and say, this is where I need to be. Um, what, what I did when I got into this relationship is I got on the telephone and I called one of the older members of SA and I said, this is where I am. Now, I won't tell you who it is, but there are people like him in this program that if you call them up, you know sort of what the answer is going to be and it's like the, the club's going to come down and they're going to say, just stop doing it. Okay? Just stop doing it. That's it. Okay? And, and what I've learned in this program is I'm not in charge of what other people say. I need to do the footwork and, and trust that God's going to give me the answer. And I called this person and he said, you're working a program of recovery. Keep walking. Okay? I trust the journey that you've been on so far. Keep walking. Okay? And, and I shared with a couple of people when we were eating lunch. What I did was I walked through a relationship. Now, there was no sexual intercourse, okay, because that's still not a part of my program, but there was physical intimacy. So that would, that would be the, the break in, in our, in our definition of sobriety. But what I did was I walked through everything that was in front of me and I realized I was never taught how to have a, an intimate relationship when I was a kid growing up. Nobody ever taught me any of that stuff. And I walked through every single thing that was in front of me. It's like knocking on the door that was open. Instead of running away scared saying, I'm not supposed to be here, I'm doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. And what, what that taught me was um, I still have a, a friendship with this particular individual, and uh, I know today what real intimacy is about. Because instead of running away and fighting and saying, you're not supposed to be here, you're doing it wrong, which is the voices that I heard growing up, what I heard was, the door is open, walk through. And, I, and I've learned in this program not to rely on my own, um, I was going to say intellect, my own abilities, the, the vain imaginations that are going on in my mind. But what I've learned in this program is if I'm having a struggle or a problem with something, instead of hiding it and closing off and drawing back and running away from it, I get into that position and I go to somebody else that's in the program or I call them up on the phone and I say, this is where I am and this is what's going on. Okay? I bring it out into the light. I am powerless over, over relationships. I'm powerless over you. I'm powerless over other people. I'm powerless over my past. I'm powerless over my future. What I've learned in this program is if I give God permission, he'll take me through this one day at a time. And I guess that's sort of where I'll, where I'll close it. Um, in that process of not doing the guilt of yesterday and the fear of tomorrow, when I hit my knees first thing in the morning, because I've got things that are stirred up by things you say or other people or telephone calls or a short skirt at the office, doesn't matter what it is, something will come up. Instead of trying to take the, the lids off of the trash cans of the disease, and trying to cover all the stuff that's going on, I just give this back to God and I say, this is where I am today. You know, Father, I, I turn my life and my will over to your care and thank you for where I am in you at the moment. If I've turned my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand him and he's in charge and he's not removing this character defect from me today, then I need to accept where I am right now. Not where you think I ought to be and not where I think I want to be, but I'm trusting that the power greater than myself is in charge. And I get in that place of acceptance. And what it's, what it's taught me to do is, because I accept me, I accept you. Okay? I'm told in my big, big book, 
to love my neighbor as I love myself. Well, I've learned how to love myself because I accept myself where I am, not where I want to be. And I've learned how to do that for you. Okay? You don't have to work a perfect program for me today. Okay? You couldn't anyway. Neither can I. But I, have, I don't have the expectation that you're going to do it or I'm going to do it. But I turn that over to God and say, thank you for the gift of today. You know, I, I really am a gratefully recovering sexaholic. I'm still not cured. I'm still going to keep coming back. And I've learned to work the program one day at a time. And uh, thank you for letting me share. He's Dan, I'm a great recovering sexaholic. Um, I don't know if everything a mess. It was last night. Um, the plane was an hour late leaving San Diego. You know, I'm powerless over that kind of stuff. Um, and you know what this program has taught me, and it's taught me this on one day at a time. I only have to get through today. Um, the big book, page 449, it, it says nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. And I don't know about you, I grew up with shame. You're doing something wrong, and you should be doing something different. And I could never correct that. So I was always damned because I could never, I could never, you know, I couldn't stop acting out or anything else when I tried to take it away for a long time. What this program has taught me is I can't change those things of yesterday, and I have to give them back to God. And it's like, I don't know when that healing's going to come. I just have to keep turning it over on a daily basis. The other thing that it tells me is acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. It doesn't say some of them or occasionally one or two of them. And it doesn't say yesterday's and it doesn't say tomorrow. So every time one of these things comes floating to the surface today, instead of trying to take that coffee can lid and push it back down so I don't have to deal with it, I let it surface. Okay, I'm 53 years old. I've been in recovery for, for almost 10 years, since I was 44. Um, over the last couple of months, I've been dealing with anger. Okay, I don't know about you. I put this stuff off all of my life. And it's finally I'm... I'm to that place where I can't control it anymore. My emotions and my energy are exhausted. They're depleted. And I can't fix me. And the only thing I can do is just let them come to the surface. And instead of trying to push them back down again, and instead of getting angry at you for what you're doing, is I share the fact that I'm angry at my meeting, but I talk it through with someone outside of the meeting. Someone I sponsor or someone that, you know, that I trust that's in the program or, or another fellowship at work, another, a friend of mine. Okay. I don't have to deal with this stuff by myself, but I do have to deal with it. And that's the difference today. Okay. I've got to walk through all this stuff that I've pretended didn't exist for all those years. Okay. We have no energy left to fight it. And when we get to that place, the only thing we can do is surrender to a power greater than ourselves and talk it through with another individual in this program. That's what, the, that's where the healing is. For me to sit on it like I did all of my life, I don't know about you, it never worked. I kept waiting for it to happen and it never did. But talking it through with another individual, it, you know, I'm still not cured. I'm still a sexaholic. You know, and as we joke in San Diego, San Diego, I'm going to be a sexaholic until two hours after I die. Okay? Yeah, there's there's no cure. Okay, and God bless the people who don't need to be here and work through it. But my whole life has changed because I'm a sexaholic. Promises says that we won't regret the past and wish to shut the door on it. So I don't try and close this stuff off anymore. Is I let it come to the surface. I look at it and acknowledge that it's mine or that somebody did something to me. Either I did it or someone else did it. Turn it over to somebody else, talk it through, work through the steps on it, and it's off my back, you know. I've got freedom that never existed before, and I didn't do it by myself. And that's available to all of us. But, um, you know, I've been in almost isolation for the last couple of months, 
And I've had to trust that for the moment I needed to be there to be away from people and not try and get involved and try and do things. And, you know, I don't have to create something today. I have to surrender to a power that's greater than myself that's going to take care of me no matter what. I don't have to do something or be somewhere. You know, what I did is not who I am today. Okay. So I accept who and where I am at the moment instead of where I think I, you know, what I need to change from the past to where I think I ought to be tomorrow. And today I'm here. Still not cured, you know. So, thanks for listening. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.